Okay. How are we? How we're ready? We are ready. We have our glasses full, and so we're we're gonna toast to this live episode of Buckeye Bombast with Bill Haven and the boy. The boy. That's right. We are in the exotic climbs of Kansas, <sighs> Ohio. Uh, we haven't gone out yet today to do a count of stop signs in the area. <laughs> the reason being, of course, we were too busy playing golf in 30-some degree temperatures, I think. It was fun. It was fun. We were the only ones on the course, the only ones insane enough to be on the course, but we did it, and uh, we're all the better for it. Cheers. All right. So this is all about the game. The Ohio State Buckeyes mm -hmm. versus that team up north, Meat Chicken, Scum, you well, know, whatever. The Wolverweenies. The Wolverweenies. The W-L-O-L, Vereens. Anything that you want to use to describe the idiocy of the Maize and Blue. <laughs> So let's start with it. I guess the only good thing they have going for them is that their uh, their maze isn't as bad as Notre Dame's gold. Yeah, I don't <laughs> but know. But it's still pretty bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> for a short spell, they had that highlighter yellow. That uh, is true. That they were wearing, which maybe you know that has something to do with their downfall. You know, if you trace back when they started wearing those highlighter yellow pants in the uh, mid 2000s it probably corresponds to when their football program started falling apart probably i mean who wants to wear that I mean, seriously <laughs> anywho what do you think this one is all about and dedicated to the game tomorrow at noon uh all week we've been reading you know horror stories about the potential weather mm -hmm. uh, supposedly uh, rain snow wintry mix uh, winds around 15 miles per hour, 15 miles per hour. Um, personally, I think if that happens, I welcome it because I think that favors Ohio State. I think a lot of uh, a lot of Michigan fans and maybe some others will, will look back at that Notre Dame game and the terrible weather that it was and, and what Michigan did to Notre Dame and, and, and you know get false hope that you know the same thing would happen to Ohio State. I beg to differ. Uh, I think this... Any weather really favors Ohio State here, but a bad weather game where Shea Patterson can't pass, uh, I think that would be a death knell for the maize and blue because they can't run the ball on Ohio State, but Ohio State absolutely can run the ball on them and will force it down their throats. And I think that's the biggest point. If you look at the top 50 defenses that Michigan has played, the only game in which they got over five yards of carry was against Notre Dame in that blowout against Wisconsin, against Penn State. Uh, they had less than five yards of carry, I believe even less than four yards of carry. Yeah. Uh, you look at all the games Ohio State has played top 50 defenses when they're blowing teams out of the water, they average more than five yards of carry in each of those games. Yeah. Uh, especially you look at their uh, yardage per game, 282 the best in the country besides the academies. Um, and this game, regardless of weather, will most likely come down to the offensive and defensive lines in which uh, Michigan's offensive line is not great. And I think that bodes well for an amazing pass rush, the best in the country, uh, even better than it was last year. 
because not only do you have Chase Young, but you have some other big seniors in uh, Devon Hamilton and um, Robert Landers, yeah. as well as some up-and-coming young guys. That pass rush is going to be there all day, and we know that Shea Patterson makes a lot of his dumb mistakes when he, uh, he gets, gets pressure. undersured. So yeah. Well, to that point, um, you know, it's so funny. Uh, Michigan, and I, I guess it's not all their fault because it's coming from the national media. It's like they planted this bug since the halftime of of the Penn State game. Right, you know, Michigan has really taken off, and they have. They've played a lot better football, no doubt. But it just feels amusing to me that um, it almost feels like they've convinced themselves that maybe they even won that game, right? Since the second half, and Michigan always loves to play in halves. Uh, I was talking to you earlier about the 1973 game, and one of the interesting things when I watched the show Tiebreaker, you know, about that 1973 game. The tenor of that whole show is almost as if Michigan um, essentially should have won and, and deserved to go to the Rose Bowl. And, I'm, and it always amazed me. I'm like, okay, so they win one half. Um, there are two halves of football. Ohio State won the other half. Yet everybody, every Michigan fan I hear just wants to believe that essentially they won that tie game. And it almost feels like the same thing with this Penn State game. They played a great second half, therefore, oh, that's wonderful. Okay, you know, whatever, whatever makes you happy at night. Um, but I just go back to that because Michigan passed well in that game. What we learned about Penn State after the fact was that Penn State got exposed against Minnesota and Indiana with respect to their passing game. Um, Ohio State, for whatever reason, chose not to pass on Penn State as much as they could or should have. Um, should have is debatable, I guess. But the reason I'm kind of coming back to all of that is because the narrative has been since the second half of the Penn State game, Michigan has been on a roll. They've been hitting their stride. They've been hitting their stride. And hats off to them. They have played much better football, no doubt. But peel it back for a second. Where they have been playing much better football is in the passing game. And yes. frankly, they haven't pay- played anybody in the past several weeks um, that I would put up there as stalwart defenders of the pass. Right. They really haven't. And we, I mean, we were going to leave the Indiana game prediction for this week. And we, knowing that Indiana has played them close, uh, we thought they might do it again. Of course, they didn't. What was the big difference? Well, Indiana has no pass rush whatsoever, and right. so Shea Patterson literally had all day to throw. And of yes. course, you know he's going to hit those wide receiver groups that are yeah. pretty good, uh, especially on the best in the Big Ten in terms of just receiver cores. Yeah. Uh, because, well, of course, he has all day. You know, he's going to make those throws. That's the kind of quarterback he is, uh, and we've seen that through the majority of. Uh, the games besides that first half of Penn State where they actually got a decent pass rush. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, Shea Patterson can pick apart defenses. And I think a, a interesting set I saw, you know, let's just take Penn State and Michigan State. Um, you know, when Michigan lost the Penn State game, of course, they handled Michigan State pretty well. Shea Patterson only completed uh, about around 60% of his passes. And you look in both those games, comparing him to Justin Fields, who threw a lot less passes, I think 27 fewer passes than Shea Patterson. So he didn't have as many yards, but he still had a 70% completion rate. Um, 
and you kind of look at the, the difference in those two games, I think Michigan State did get a, a lot more of a pass rush, especially in the first half against Ohio mm-hmm. State, uh, than they did against Michigan. Uh, you know, because for whatever reason they were right. uh, gong ho, you know, that first half and uh, playing at their best, which is a rare thing we've seen all year. Yeah. But I digress. I digress. <laughs> Regardless, um, Shea Patterson can be good, but he is only good when he doesn't have to, you know, run around to throw the ball. He doesn't have to think. Yeah, the one he doesn't have to think. And, and that's <laughs> what I saw in those the, the last few games since the, the second half of the Penn State game is that he's getting, I think if I had anything positive to say about Michigan and those, you know, decent pass protection. But again, they're not playing uh, strong um, uh, pass defenses. And so... The, the you know decent pass protection, not strong pass rush. Um, you know some of these pass plays that they're doing. You don't you don't really need time to, to to think about it. You're not under pressure. You're not under duress. And what I have seen from Shea Patterson this whole year, and even recently, um, I want to say it was the Notre Dame game. Uh, I think it was the Notre Dame game where he had that pass behind the line of oh. scrimmage, just. And I still to this day can't figure out what in God's green earth was in his mind. But the point is, is he was under duress. And anytime he gets like that, his head takes over his talent and he does some really dumb things. And this game, he is going to be up against the best pass rush that he's been up against all year. Better than Wisconsin's, better than Penn State's. He's not going to have time to get out these quick passes. He's going to be under duress. He's going to have to start thinking about it, and he is going to do something stupid. I agree. And the offense that has finally come to fruition, I guess you could say, since that second half of the Penn State game, what do they call it? They call it their speed and space you know, <laughs> offense. And so you look at it in this game, that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to get the ball out quick, whether it be quick slants, bubble screens, uh, halfback screens, whatever the case may be, because they're going to feel that edge rush. Well, Ohio State's just going to play press man. Uh, they're going to force Shea Patterson either to beat the beat them with his legs or force him to throw the ball deep. But if that pass rush gets there, he's not going to have time. And so... I have much more confidence, especially with those Ohio State secondary, in that press man coverage yes. with that wide receiver group, even though the, those wide receivers are good uh, because, like we have talked about, Shea Patterson feels any kind of pressure. He is not nearly as accurate uh, as he normally is. And so I don't feel, I don't feel uh, nervous about this speed and space offense, I guess is the point I was trying to make. Now, when I hear about the speed and space offense, I'm reminded of, you know, especially since we're, you know, close to Christmas time, you know, when I was younger, and I think even when you were a child, you know, every, every, every time you get to Christmas, you have these really um, cutesy types of uh, Christmas gifts that you see commercials for, you know, and, and I feel like that. Try the new Speed and Space by Ronco. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm about to see a commercial for that. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh, as we know, he heard about this wonderful Speed and Space offense. He's like, cool, I need to go buy one of these. And he, he signs into it with, with Josh Gaddis. And, and, yeah, they have this feeling that their Speed and Space um, is finally working now. I don't think they're going to see a lot of Speed and Space uh, tomorrow. I don't think they're going to have time. I 
uh, I think they'll come in with a lot of emotion and then they'll have some scripted things that they do early on that are going to frustrate Ohio State and, and us fans. We're going to like, what the heck was that? How could you not stop that, right? Um, after that blows over, after a, a series or two, they're not going to find speed and space. They're going to be under incredible amounts of duress. Shea Patterson's going to do some silly things and then it takes it back to that running game. Uh, I think the running game over the past few weeks has been serviceable, um, but and that's only because they have been able to pass the ball well. Mm-hmm. And it's more of you know using the pass to set up that run, and, and, and being wise about it. I will give them credit for that. They seem to have chosen, you know, in that whole mix over the past few weeks, how and when they do some of those running plays. But if you look at the the numbers for their their rushing offense um, since the uh, speed and space halftime of the Penn State game, they're not great. They're not anything overwhelming. Uh, and Ohio State absolutely has played much better running teams and have stopped them dead in their tracks. And that's what's going to happen. Michigan will not be able to run the ball effectively or consistently on, on Ohio State. They'll start out early um, with some concepts that might confuse and, and make it look like they could give a game. But at the end of the day, they're going to suffocate under under relenting pass pressure, and then they won't be able to pass the ball either. I agree with that, and of course, you know it's the day before. Uh, I've been going throughout the week watching, you know, highlight videos, getting ready to pumped up, getting ready and getting pumped up about these, you know, what what could be, I guess, you know, especially with last year. You know, you hope that they put would put on the offensive performance. You know, the, don't I don't think they're going to score that many points as much as you know we would love it uh, in terms of Ohio State. But uh, I've been watching these games, and you know this kind of reminds me of a, a few years ago with that you know 2014-2015 defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan's just not going to be able to do anything, uh, and in those Ohio State was very run heavy too, especially with JT Barrett. Uh, yeah. So it reminds me a lot of that. Uh, 2015 game when they were at Michigan, then they won handily. What was it, 42-13? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. There was no problem at all. Michigan couldn't move the ball, and Ohio State just ran it down their throats. Yes. Um, Especially with the weather, uh, I could see a game where Ohio State may not put up that many points because, you know, if I'm being honest, I am a little nervous. You know, you look at that weather game and that Penn State game, Ryan Day went extremely conservative. They threw the ball only 22 times and ran at 61. Justin Fields had 21 rushes himself. Oh. Uh, so that kind of concerns me, you know, if, if they do that similar type of game, um, you know, it's going to be a lot lower scoring. And yeah. that, you know, would potentially give uh, the team up north a chance. And so I am hoping, r- regardless of weather, that Justin Field Justin Fields will throw the ball because they have the receivers and they can make those catches. So throw the ball. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but regardless, the point I was making earlier, even though of course it's the day before, extremely nervous because it's such a big game and of course they have it at home and they are very much better at home than they are on the road. Absolutely. Still, with even the same players, you look at the turnaround on our defense this year. The secondary is formidable. The defensive line is formidable. The linebackers are formidable. Every aspect is formidable this year. And so there really shouldn't be, you know, 
that much to worry about. There really shouldn't be. Ohio State should handle them like that 2015 team, and we should see a score probably similar to what we saw in that 42-13 game in 2015. Yeah, I, I think uh, the operative word, though, is should, yeah. uh, because similarly we should have seen a similar score against Penn State, and we almost did, uh, but the Buckeyes put the, the ball on the ground one too many times. That can't happen in this game against Michigan. Um, I think the only positive to take away uh, from what happened with Penn State is that if it does happen, uh, you can feel pretty strongly about the fact that Ohio State has the defense to remedy the situation pretty quickly. Um, you know, I, I don't see Michigan scoring more than what Penn State did. Um, if I give them the benefit of the doubt, home field advantage, maybe they get to 20. And I, I think I don't think them. I, I don't think they can possibly get beyond twenty, um, and that should be good enough for us. I, I think we should. I, I think we should have that amount uh, by the end of the first half. Ohio State should be in the twenties by the time the first half is over. Uh, I think into the thirties by the end of the third quarter, and then maybe. Um, you know whether it's an extra field goal or an extra touchdown there in the fourth quarter to to win you know to put up around 40 points um, so I, I kind of see this being around 40 to 17 uh, Ohio State that's very similar to mine Ohio State has not given up 21 points more than 21 points all year they gave it up twice right uh, and you know those two scenarios regardless uh, they were yeah. garbage time. They were garbage time. I'm thinking, you know, do I really think the team up north, are they really going to be the first first ones to put over 20 point, 21 points on Ohio State? And I just can't see it either. <laughs> we gave Penn, Penn State the benefit of the doubt, and that benefit of the doubt turned into Ohio State turnovers that gave Penn State those 17 yeah. points. Uh, I might give an extra touchdown in terms of points here to the team up north, but I still... The benefit of the doubt that I'm giving them is 17. I cannot see them scoring over 20 either, uh, especially with the defense that Ohio State has. And it, if the weather is the way that it is, uh, I think it'll you'll probably see it similar to that Penn State game. I think they score an extra touchdown. I have at Ohio State 35, scum 17. Okay, so very close. 40-17, 35-17. And, you know, just like we, we talked about with the Penn State game, is there really anything Penn State could do at the time? And we pretty much hit it. You know, we said that they're going to have to get turnovers to have a chance. And, and they did. They had a chance, an outside chance. Uh, those turnovers, um, they came... In Ohio State territory, I'm not thinking about the one that you know Justin lost over the goal line, <clears throat> but I'm thinking about uh, his fumble and Dobbins' fumble in our own territory mm-hmm. that led to 10 points. And that was it. 10 points, and those 10 points came on extremely short field. Extremely short field. Yep. So it's similar. I mean, again, in order for Michigan to have a chance in this game, the exact same thing has to happen. Yep. They need to get at least three turnovers off of Ohio State. Um, most of those have to come in Ohio State's territory 
for Michigan to have a chance in this game. And similarly, I think they need to be able to confuse and get to Justin Fields. I think uh, I think some people would probably debate me on this. I do think Fields was confused at times in, in the Penn State game. But even then, he still he had a couple of nice touchdown passes, ran the ball well. And I don't think that Michigan is going to confuse him over and above what Penn State was able to do. But those are the things that have to happen. Turnovers, mm-hmm. confuse Justin Fields, and then probably have to have something happen in the special teams arena yes. that favors Michigan. Yes, absolutely agree with all of that. I think they'll be good, probably like Penn State was, where they have you know one really good drive and they get a touchdown off of that drive. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe potentially ten points, ten thirteen points total. Mm-hmm. Past that, I don't see them scoring more than that and than what they're capable of. And so the rest is going to have to come. From some sort, special teams, you know, block punt, uh, turnovers, uh, whether they be in short fields or it's a you know scoop and score pick six, whatever the case may be, uh, they're going to have to score that way. Uh, I think Ryan Day, uh, we know he, you know, really he has preached the whole year. We got to take care of the ball. He knows how important that is. And really, before that Penn State game, Ohio State took great care of the ball. Uh, and, you know, that was kind of their first game where they had all those those fumbles. And some of it was due to weather. I think also, you know, so the players were being lackadaisical as well a bit. And Dobbins, um, especially kind of Justin uh, in that right over the goal line and Dobbins fumbles. Well, I think those two, you really, they, they, I don't think they were taking care of it as well as they probably should have. Right. Uh, I don't think you're going to see that this game. They're going to take care of the right. ball, um, especially Dobbins. And I think Fields will as well. I think he'll be smarter with the ball, especially when he knows he's probably going to get sacked or, um, you know, he's just fighting for yards. He may not fight for the extra yards. He may just, you know, go yeah. down or at least put two hands over the ball, something like that. Yes. They're, I just don't think, you know, I think they're, they're going to have that in the back of their head yes. so they won't, you know, uh, have that extra pressure to fumble the ball. Right. Uh, and I think it will take at least three turnovers from uh, Michigan to for Michigan. For Michigan, yeah, to be able to, yeah. uh, you know, have an outside chance, kind of like Penn State did. But at the end of the day, I don't see that happening. And so uh, it should be, a, should be an easy win. So who, who is the uh, Chris Olave of uh, this year? Who's your pick for the, the Olave? You know, I've been because uh, I've been listening to some of these questions as well, as well, especially on Letterman Row, and you know, who's going to be that breakout? Uh, is it going to be you know, the obvious? Is it going to be Chase Young who gets you know another you know three to five sacks, uh, gets a couple strip stacks? Is it going to be um, you know J.K. who just runs down their throws? Is it going to be you know Garrett Wilson who? Uh, we see, you know, actually get like a punt return for a touchdown or yeah. something, and that's the route I'm going to go. I think, I think yeah. uh, Garrett Wilson breaks out. Uh, I think he may have a touchdown catch, but I think he's going to do something in the special teams, maybe not a full punt return for a touchdown, but, you know, a very long return sets up a super short field, something like that. Yeah. Um, I, 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 can, I can see something like that happening. And, uh, I, of course, I would love to see a block punt. I think they're very capable of it again, and I think oh, yeah. they'll – I think they'll uh, you know, dish something up to try to do that again, uh, especially with Olave. But um, my uh, my pick this this game is uh, Garrett Wilson. Yeah, yeah. And to that point, I I just assume Chase Young. Uh, I, I assume Chase Young, and so um, I think Garrett Wilson as well. That's who I was going to pick, and something similar, whether it be a, a punt return, kickoff return, something like that. 
Uh, I think Garrett Wilson's going to do something to, to, you know, have that breakout game like Alave did. One of the things I'm wanting to see is I go back to the Sugar Bowl against uh, Bama, right? When we had a defensive lineman, you know, kind of stunt, fall back into coverage, pick off the football, right? Mm-hmm. I want to see Chase Young do that. That would be awesome. Chase Young, I want it to be, I just kind of see one of these uh, plays. Michigan back in the day, they used to be in love with the, the screen to the running back. Uh, they used to kill us all the time, especially in the Cooper years. You know, there goes another screen, you know, for another 50 yards, it seemed. And so I know they have it in them. I know they have it in them. Uh, they know Ohio State brings a lot of pressure. I want to see that one screen they try to throw where Chase Young basically baits them. And yeah. they try to throw it over. He picks it off, runs it. Stiff arms Patterson into the ground. And, and, and runs it into the end zone, yes. <laughs> Thereby cementing, having his real Heisman moment. Yeah. And that would be, you know, they talk about, oh, four sacks against Wisconsin. What did he have? Three and a half against Penn State, which is awesome. I mean, certainly, but, you know, defensive lineman, a good one. That's what they're expected to do. Um, I don't know that I would call those Heisman moments. I call them Heisman resume. Um, Heisman moment, though, would be if Chase Young were to get that pick six, similar to what Bosa almost did in 2015. Yeah. Right? So... I agree. What else? We had some news today. Apparently, Texas is back. <laughs> you know, they, they scramble back from, well, what hey. was it, 14, 21 down, whatever it was, against uh, Texas Tech to, to throttle them. And so well, we can. Hey, they're going, they're going bowling. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're back again. Uh-huh. Uh, they've been back two or three times this year alone, and they're, now they're back again. And congratulations also to Virginia, who did win the Salieri Trophy. Uh, they are considered the uh, patron saints of mediocrity now in, in uh, the ACC. They get to uh, show that off against Clemson uh, here next week in their uh, conference championship. Uh, yeah. uh, I think we've you know, pretty hit on all the big points. Uh, you know, it's just, is Ohio State going to do what we think they should do, uh, really? Uh, are you... You know, it's a, it's a new head coach, and you know, even though they have loads of talent, uh, you know, still have it in the back of your mind. Even though I wasn't around, you know, that potential for a sixty-nine type of game, mm-hmm. um, or is it, you know, going to be a true, you know, fifteen type of game? So I did read so. an article this past week <clears throat> where uh, Urban Meyer was asked about did he think about trying to get seventy on Michigan last year, and he said yes, he he did think about it. He should have. Uh, I don't know how truthful he was being because obviously he doesn't have anything to lose from that anymore but um it just seemed interesting to me that and he couched it around the whole premise of you know anymore you have to have style points that's why he put 59 on wisconsin in the um big 10 championship game back in 14 And, and so yeah he knew that he was he still had an outside chance last year of of uh getting into the uh college football playoffs and so yeah putting a 70 spot on michigan you know, ideally would have would have looked the part for them. Um, I would love to see Ryan Day just run it right up. Yeah, that'd be awesome to see him go for two every time. I don't think he will, but <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> would if, be. if he gets up big in that game and goes for two, that would be awesome. Um, which brings us to a few things. You know, you said today that you had heard rumors. I hadn't really heard these rumors. I had, I've heard silly talk on 
on uh, fan forums. I've gone out to a couple of Michigan forums uh, just to kind of see what their where their heads are. And yeah, you do have people that kind of open their mouth and say, you know, Harbaugh has to win this or else. But I really, truly haven't heard myself any real rumor that if he doesn't get this game, he's out. Uh, you think I, you've... I, I have heard a few talking media heads, and of course, you know, there is the SEC shills like Paul Feinbaum and those on ESPN First Take that... Uh, yeah, the clickbaiters. Yeah, that are all, you know, always against Harbaugh and, you know, think he's, you know, should get fired every year. Yeah. Regardless, uh, it was interesting. I was watching, uh, well, the first nine minutes of, uh, I don't know if you've listened to the guy, Steve Days. Uh, he does a Michigan podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> He's a winner. Yeah, he is a winner. Uh, but <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I watched the first nine minutes in which he, you know, uh, what is that word? Vibrantly explained how, oh, yeah. uh, you know, he thought, you know, this is the year Michigan will beat Ohio State this year. And, um, I just read through some of the comments, and I, I have seen from a lot of Michigan fans uh, who who do say if they if they don't do it, if Tarball doesn't do it this year, that you know he he should be on the chopping block. And I think it's it's more you know Michigan fans that I've seen it from than talking media heads. I've seen you know a few here and there. Most of it has been silly talk, but yeah. I have seen quite a few uh, Michigan fans uh, from from that, and of course some some pages online as well. You know where. Hey, you know, if he if he's not going to do this, let's get him out, type of thing. So yeah, and I don't see that happen. I, if you know, if he does lose and lose big to Ohio State, and then has a bowl performance similar to what he had last year, then maybe because then you're starting to see a downward trend because everything since Har- Harbaugh came in, with the exception of the Ohio State game, has been on an upward trend. Some of them not as upward as they would like, as quickly as they would like, but I think they really truly finally have gotten over the Michigan State hurdle. Um, they really don't have to worry about Notre Dame anymore, but they beat their doors off. It feels like really their only hurdle right now is Ohio State. So they right. have been making steady progress each and every year. Um, but you know, if he were to go two years in a row getting his doors blasted off by Ohio State, followed by uh, the same in bowl games, then that starts to show a downward trend, to, at which point you would think, okay, he can't beat Ohio State. Now things are starting to trend down. He reached his peak. Then maybe you start talking about it. Right, and I don't see it happening after this year, even if he loses to Ohio State. I mean, he, you know, the past two years, right, he went to New Year's Six Bowl games. And mm-hmm. you may have lost them, but he still went to them. I mean, you look at the past uh, six years. Uh, I don't. Did Rich Rod, did he ever take a team to the end? You know, a BCS bowl game. Uh, I don't, don't think, think he did. So. I don't. Yeah, and Brady Hope never did. He did once. He, he yeah. They played. Uh, was it eleven? I think they played uh, the Sugar Bowl against. Virginia oh yeah, Tech. that's right, Virginia Tech. Yeah. So uh, that was it. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I don't know when the last one was from from Lloyd Carr before. Yeah. They let him go, and so, I mean, it's been a, it's been a while, and you know, two years in a row, that's pretty good. I mean, you're going to a you know a, a huge yeah. bowl game. Uh, of course, you haven't won the Big Ten yet. Um, yep. You haven't beaten Ohio State yet, and so of course those are big things. But I mean, they're far and away better than they were, you know, even you know, six, seven years ago. And so I, I wouldn't see, you know, the the reason to get rid of them yet either. Right. Well, and I go back to you know I was joking about the patron saints of mediocrity being the ACC Coastal Division, but to a degree, it's the Michigan Wolverines. <laughs> Um, that's what that's what the Michigan fan base is pining for, has been pining for, and they got it. Yeah, you know, I've said it before. Their idol 
for some reason, when you, you talk about football and talk about a Michigan man and what Michigan football should be, I don't ever hear him talking about Fielding Yost. You know, <laughs> yeah. Fielding Yost is a name they all know as fans, and, and many Ohio State fans know that name. Um, but the way Ohio State fans might hearken back to Woody, they don't hearken back to Fielding Yost. They hearken back to Bo Schembechler, who was himself a patron saint of mediocrity. Yeah. You know, and with the bowl performances, Bo never really did anything in bowl games. I mean, he wasn't very good at all in bowl games. I think he was worse than John Cooper. I'd have to look that up, but Bo Schembechler was terrible at bowl games. And frankly, it, it took for Woody Hayes to reach his twilight for Bo to even have, um, you know, they talk about the 10-year war, right? Bo won that first game. Um, but then up until um, the mid-'70s, he couldn't beat Ohio State. Tied him in 73, you know, uh, 74, 75. Ohio State beats them. Uh, Ohio State beat them in 70. Um, 71, 72, I think they split. I'd have to look at that. Point is, is, yeah, yeah, you had a great upset coming in, but Bo really didn't do a lot against Ohio State. His strongest years were in those first few years after the, the 69, he had a, a couple of um, undefeated seasons going into the Ohio State game, which he would uh, summarily lose, right? And then, of course, be terrible in his bowl games. But if you look at the second half of his career, I think maybe one or two years was he even um, competitive in the national spotlight. Every year almost in his the second half of his career, we're all mediocre, right? So here's a guy... Um, Never won a national championship. Um, was not very good in bowl games. Frankly, wasn't really all that great in the Ohio State game until John Cooper came because he didn't get to Woody until Woody's last three games when Woody was on a downward trend. Earl Bruce had a winning record against uh, Bo Schembechler um, in the Ohio State-Michigan game. So it really wasn't until John Cooper came that he was able to pad any of that. So at the end of the day, he was only okay against Ohio State, certainly better than Jim Harbaugh, but okay against Ohio State, couldn't win his bowl games, never won the national championship. And this is the guy that every year, oh, we need somebody like Bo Schembechler. <laughs> okay, you got it. Jim Harbaugh, with one exception right now, and that is beating Ohio State. But like I said, even Bo really didn't do it as much as you guys think he did. Um, you got it. You got back to mediocrity. What more do you want? <laughs> yeah, and you know they have a half title in '97, and I don't even when was their when was the last one in the '40s, the '30s? Yeah, I think it was like '48. But Something to that like point, that. right? Do you ever hear them pining for the days of Lloyd Carr? No, <laughs> no, they still pine for the. He at least got a half of a national title. Yeah, Bo Schembechler not didn't ever get any. Yet they oh they want the the days of Bo. Well, why not the days of Lloyd Carr, when he had Charles Woodson, you know, wouldn't you prefer that? <laughs> no, they want somebody like Bo Schembechler. Well, you got him. <laughs> yeah, they got him. And uh, hopefully they will continue to have him for, you know, a few more years at least. I think they will, and that's where it really comes down to. I think even, even if they lose, I think they'll have him until he wants to leave, and that may be sooner than later. Yeah. Because uh, I... 
even though he's a quirky dork, um, he is a capable coach, and I know a lot of NFL teams would take him. And I got to think that, you know, losing Ohio State all the t- time will start to wear on him, and he he, he would probably lo- leave on his own accord. Probably, and I mean, he he had a lot of success at Stanford at the Forty ers taking him to multiple NFC championships in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he is a good coach, uh, but it takes more than just the head coach. Uh, and I think we talked a little bit about, you know, kind of Alabama earlier, you know, that last episode. Uh, sometimes you have great teams, but with that coaching consistency is not there, right. you know, then it's a lot harder, especially in the college level. Mm-hmm. And he has had consistency with Don Brown, well, you know, for a few years. Don, well, he's been there since, what, 2016? Yeah, I think so. Um, so Jim, Durkin left. Yeah. yeah, so Jim Harbaugh hasn't had truly a lot of coaching consistency. Uh, you know, you look at Ohio State, even though, you know, they got rid of the whole defensive crew that had, had been there for years, uh, you still have Larry Johnson, mm-hmm. you know. You still have these uh, offensive coordinators. Um, yeah. And Ryan Day himself was in the program for at least three or three years before you know he finally he came out in his third year as head coach. Right. And so, um, you know, the coaching staff is a fickle mistress in the mistress. in the college level. Uh, and I think even more so than the players, you got to have coaching consistency. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's uh, you know that's you, you got to make your mark. And I just don't think Michigan truly has had that yet. Uh, Ohio State has had more of that, and I think. Yeah. That also plays a big impact. Now, if Harbaugh, you know, gets that over the next few years, and you know, he keeps Josh Gaddis, he keeps Don Brown, and he keeps a lot of these coordinators, and they finally, you know, implant their own system, right? That's unique to them. Then maybe, you know, as they, because they do recruit on a good level, and so as they recruit, you know, they build their system, and they can actually implement it, you know, consistently. Yeah. You know, then I think, you know, they they may be extremely formidable. But you know, until that happens, I. I think they're going to keep losing, especially the big games. Yeah. And what shouldn't be lost in anybody, Ohio State basically loses their entire defense Yeah. after this year. So, um, I don't know. I think the bigger question is going to be if, if Ryan Day actually loses this game. That's probably, to me, a bigger question than if uh, mm-hmm. Harbaugh loses. Uh, because, you know, this really is a generational team, as it's been said. Yeah. Um, this team is better than the 2014 team. It's the best team I've seen uh, probably, uh, at least in, since 96. Um, but even then, I don't know that they were quite as good as, as this team, although he had some, <laughs> he had some really good Sean Springs, mm-hmm. Andy Katzenmoyer, um, et cetera. David Boston um, had a lot of really good players on that team. But I still, I still think this one was better. So in my lifetime, and, and frankly, you know, I really became Buckeye aware, so to speak, truly with the Rose Bowl in '76 against UCLA. That's the really the first time I remember watching them play uh, when I was six six years old, watching that Rose Bowl. So since then, this is the best Ohio State team that I've seen. And if you can't go up and beat a Michigan team that is uh, not as talented, um, not as good, then those are bigger questions to me. Because I had mm-hmm. said at the beginning of the year, I love what Ryan Day's doing. I, I hope that he turns out to be uh, better than Ur- Urban Meyer, at least as good. But at the end of the day, 
he didn't have coaching experience coming in, head coaching experience. That's true. My fear has been that he would be like a Jimbo Fisher, like a Earl Bruce, like um, a Larry Coker, and I even called it the Larry Coker syndrome, right? And hire, inherit all of this talent, do something right away with it, like a sugar rush, and then steadily kind of decline. Uh, hope and pray that won't happen, but those are the types of questions that would really come up if mm-hmm. Ohio State were to lose this game. Yeah, and I think it would depend too, you know, if you know how badly they were to lose if they were to lose as well. Um, but I think it's would also be you know game game management, game decisions, um, and how you know how they actually played as well. But uh, we'll we'll find out tomorrow. Yes, we will. And so, I think that's it. I think it is. That is the end of our special Kansas-Ohio broadcast. <laughs> the only thing that comes now is Go Bucks. Go Bucks.